Welcome to Trade Finance Talks, a podcast from Trade Finance Global. During this series, we'll be hearing from global experts, as well as learning about the latest trends, technology and insights in the world of international trade and receivables finance. Episode 19. I think retention is an issue because we have many uh, people in the trade finance industry with many, many years of experience and uh, it's difficult to replace those people. You are dealing with real people, real banking, the real economy, and you can make a real change in a very diverse and growing sector. I'm Dipesh Patel, editor at Trade Finance Global. Today we're talking about an issue which is close to our heart, education in the trade finance space. Every day we hear about the MSME and SME trade finance gap, which currently stands at around 1.5 trillion US dollars each year. However, as an industry, education in a space of unprecedented change, complexity, technological innovation is so important. The trade finance skills gap, that is the shortage of knowledge and free information on the nuances of cross-border trade, is something that we need to address. If trade really is an engine for economic growth and wealth creation, then where is the education? I'm delighted to be joined by David Morris and Charles Woodgate at the London Institute of Banking and Finance, here to discuss trade finance education, the gender and diversity gap in trade, and how we can move forward. Charles David, thank you for coming. Our pleasure and good to see you. David, in no more than 30 seconds, can you introduce yourself and tell us what you do at the London Institute of Banking and Finance? I'm a uh, relationship director with the London Institute of Banking and Finance with responsibilities for the development and promotion of our trade finance and transaction banking qualifications. These cover a vast range of uh, topics within the trade finance sphere. Familiar with them at all, uh, probably the most famous, the best known, is our certificate for documentary credit specialists. Thanks, David. I'm Charles Woodgate. I'm also a relationship director, doing pretty much the same as David, but uh, taking over from him as he comes to the end of his uh, long and illustrious career in the sector. Let's jump straight into the title of this podcast, Is Trade Finance Sexy? So I talk to a number of people within our space, disruptors and innovators, structured finance experts, blockchain enthusiasts, commodity traders, rule makers and economists. And every single person has one thing in common in our industry. They love what they do. They live and breathe trade. And that's what wakes them up each morning. So what do you enjoy so much about trade finance? And is it attractive for young people in your opinion? Is it sexy? Well, I guess you've got to decide that for for, uh, for yourself. But the thing I love about trade, and it does excite me, is the fact you actually deal with the real economy. There's a fantastic buzz when you go and sit across the desk and meet uh, a small, medium-sized uh, business, talk about uh, their dipping their toes into uh, the export market and try and talk them through what the features are, what the risks are, and so on. And I say, you're talking about the real economy. It's goods being made, goods being put on a ship, goods being insured, financed, means of settlement decided upon, and with a buyer somewhere in a far-flung corner of the globe, having those goods delivered, and making payment on time. Like I say, it's the real economy. Yeah, as David says, absolutely. It's the real economy. And I think you're also making a real difference uh, to people's lives, both in this country and in emerging markets. 
Um, you are creating jobs, you're creating opportunities, and you are allowing, perhaps, uh, to give an example of my in my previous part of my career, uh, we, we were working on a project in Ghana with uh, generators, generate electricity from solar panels. So you leave them out in the sun all day. In the evening, it generates light so that children can come home from school and read the textbooks in the light. And that makes a huge difference. You're allowing young children to be better educated, to read books, and that, that can change lives. And uh, for young people out there in the, in the UK or considering a career in trade finance, uh, well, I don't know about you, but when I was young, I was very idealistic and I wanted to change the world. And through trade finance, you can actually change the world, albeit in a small way, but you can change the world. Thanks, Charles. I think that's a really good analogy to real life trade and, and the real business of, of international trade. So often when we talk about trade, we talk about the 1.5 trillion US dollar trade finance gap. Do you think that overcoming the trade finance skills gap that we have will help address this trade finance gap? So David, David, I'll start with you. There is no silver bullet, of course. That 1.5 trillion US dollar gap is there. Education is absolutely part of the solution. It is only part, but it's a really, really important part. Unless people are aware of what they can do and what the alternatives are and what the various methods of settlement are and the different ways of financing, they're not going to get past that first barrier. And it's real. I'm sure, Charles, you've had the same experience, but I've seen this firsthand where people won't talk about trade because they don't understand it. And if you don't understand it, you're not going to get across the ways that you can solve the various issues, the way that finance can be raised, the different ways that risks uh, can be mitigated. And just doesn't happen by, uh, by accident. It's got to be something that's planned, thought through, and that the right people get the right level of training and education in this very, very important sphere. You know, we've got one qualification, which is a certificate in international trade and finance. And uh, this is essentially designed so that anybody new to the business can get a full understanding, the use of the vocabulary, understand, say, the different methods of financing, different methods of settlement, regulation, of course, even down to uh, supply chain finance, digitization, and so on. But it's actually getting that message across, getting that message across so that people aren't afraid of the subject, that they can actually look at something and say, okay, I think I know a way to do this. Uh, you're absolutely right, David. There's nothing to be afraid of, nothing to fear, but fear itself. And uh, I think, as you also say, there's no silver bullet. There's a, a multitude of uh, solutions, education and awareness being key amongst them. Uh, I think the, the trade gap is, is widest in emerging markets. So I think that is where uh, we as a, an institute focus on, on developing emerging markets and developing education and awareness in those markets. And also the banking industry and uh, not just the banks, but the fintechs and uh, challenger banks are looking at, you know, innovative ways to, to finance trade in emerging markets. I think what we also see within the industry is, is actually talent being lost and transaction banking and trade is being one of the most oldest finance professions perhaps struggles to recruit and also retain talent. Do you think that this is the case and, and why so? Charles? I think, I, I'm not so sure whether it's it's the case about difficulty in recruitment, but I think it's important to spread the message to, to the younger generation. Uh, and that certainly helps from a, a diversity perspective. I think retention is an issue because we have many uh, uh, people in the trade finance industry with many, many years of experience uh, 
and uh, it's difficult to replace those people. But uh, for our part, we, we spread the message through our undergraduates, through the university, and uh, present to them how, how a trade fi- career in trade finance would be beneficial to them, and so that they can spread the word. And, that, and that's the way to encourage uh, recruitment within the profession. So I'm going to hone in and talk about gender diversity now, particularly within trade finance. We have a low proportion of women in trade finance. On top of that, women that do enter trade finance base seem to enter a lower level of attainment on certain outcomes, such as the propensity to get promoted and their salaries. Charles, why do you think this is so? I actually think there have been a lot more um, women in the sector as time goes by. Um, I think if you go back 20 or 30 years, perhaps even before my time, um, it was a very white, middle-class, middle-aged men kind of thing. But in recent years, I've certainly worked with some very, very uh, professional uh, colleagues of all genders and all cultures and all nationalities. I think it's becoming more and more diverse, and that that is a great thing. And and as an example of that, one, one of our guests, in fact, guest speaker at the WCBI, our upcoming conference uh, for banking institutes, uh, a lady called Kim Sang-kyung, who is, uh, will be speaking at this event, is a very fine example of that. Now, uh, David will, will, will uh, explain further because he is uh, more familiar than I. No, absolutely right. She, uh, she's a good friend, actually, these days. Um, we work very closely together in uh, developing our qualifications and promoting them in Korea. She's the uh, chairperson of the gender equality in banking and finance in uh, in Korea, and uh, she heads up the Korea International Finance Institute. And she's been a real trailblazer in Korea in promoting uh, the role of women in management and in trade in particular. And uh, she's doing a great job. More work to be done, of course. But just going back to just going back to your point, Charles. Um, a slightly uh, older vintage, speaking for myself. Um, certainly when I... I didn't want to mention that. <laughs> no, when I moved into, into the bank all those years ago and straight into trade finance, and, the, and we're talking late 1960s here, it was certainly true. And it wasn't, I think it was by design, it was just the way it was. It was totally male-dominated, pretty well exclusively, as you say, white, and it's, it's, it's just how it was at that time. Mm. And I'm delighted to say that things have moved on, at least in the UK, significantly since then. Uh, much more diverse. And it's one of the beauties of the job, frankly, that uh, here and elsewhere, that you meet people from all sorts of different cultures. And the uh, the gender diversity, I think, is increasingly there. More work to be done, shall I say, in certain parts of the world, less so in the UK. And I'm going to be shot down potentially on that. But it's much more diverse than it used to be. Um, yeah, you know, things have changed and things have changed Absolutely for the better. I think that's a great thing, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Thanks, both. I, I'm, I'm going to throw a surprise a surprise one on you and, and challenge you a bit on that. So in our last magazine of trade finance talks, Grace Lord, an associate professor in behavioural science at LSE, she said, we often encourage females to adopt male traits in order to give them an advantage at work. The evidence suggests that females who adopt male traits suffer a backlash since both men and women have certain expectations about how women should act. To the extent that trade finance continues to potentially reward these traits that are overrepresented in males, the job will always have more males. Do you think it's worth reassessing whether male traits like this should be valued highly? And also, 
I'd be very interested to hear your your views on on, on what was said in, in in our last issue there. I think it's an interesting one, and uh, let's just let's just focus on this in the context of uh, trade finance. Um, from what I've seen over the years, I'm not certain I totally agree with that uh, conclusion. You know, maybe it happens in different levels of management in different industries. And I'm being very focused, I know, and very uh, looking specifically at the trade finance industry. But being good at this particular job, I think, is all about relationships, interpersonal skills, technical expertise, and probably another a number of other things which I've forgotten. But essentially, this is all, for me, gender neutral. This is nothing about being male or female. It's about being good and understanding customer issues. You know, sitting across the desk as You've done many times, Charles, as I have, uh, as I've done, with um, a small or medium-sized business. They don't really care yeah. um, what what your gender is or what your background is. What they want is somebody that actually knows what they're talking about, that has potential solutions to the issues that they have. And on a one-to-one basis, that's what they're looking for. And I I, I don't see the things that you mentioned actually. Uh, actually coming into play. I would agree with that uh, totally. I think it's in, out on the, on the coal face, as it were, facing prospective clients and existing clients. It's solutions people want, and solutions are colourblind and gender neutral. People want solutions that will help their business grow and go into new markets, and that's what we need to deliver. Thanks very much, both. Let's move back onto education now. So coupled with a gender and diversity issue, as well as a perception issue around trade finance as an industry. The industry itself is changing. Banks are consolidating their trade, treasury and supply chain finance operations. Corporates are demanding more flexibility for their suppliers. And technology is trying to bring down the cost of operations and allow for interoperability and less manual paperwork. This is a key time for trade-related education. Are you guys seeing the same at LOBF? Uh, we certainly are, because we are constantly updating our qualifications all the time to keep up with current trends. And we are always speaking with, with thought leaders and uh, updating our qualifications accordingly. Uh, for instance, our CITF qualification, Certificate in International Trade and Finance, ha- has a digitalization module in it, which is very recent. And that's an example of how we update our qualifications. Yes, absolutely right. We have to do it. We talk to our partners routinely. Uh, we obviously keep very, very close to the industry itself, including uh, reading Trade Finance Global, which is uh, always very informative. And it's key. If we don't do that, then our qualifications cease to become relevant. They cease to become current. So we have to keep close. Just a general point, first of all, uh, the changes in trade, like many other industries, it's always been thus. I've been in this uh, business getting on 50 years now. And uh, have I seen changes over that period? Absolutely. I'm not going to go through them but because they've been iterative. But they have been changes. You know, things have moved on. And you have to make certain that your knowledge is current. Are we at a tipping point in terms of technology, in terms of the uh, potential for blockchain and so on? Actually, I really hope so. Uh, The industry is far too dependent on paper to make things work. There's a wonderful opportunity out there, but we shouldn't be afraid of it. We should embrace it. And it will be, as I was touching on earlier, just another step in the development of international trade and the rationalization of the way that we do things. But it's not new. It's been happening over 
all of the time I've been in the business and no doubt for decades before that. So let's embrace it. So moving on from this, unprecedented change is the theme of the World Conference of Banking and Institutes on the 16th of, and 17th of September. TFG and media partners at the conference, so we're delighted to be there and we're delighted to hear some of the, some of the keynote speeches there. What are you both most excited about? And, and, and don't say seeing me, Ch- Ch- Charles. <laughs> well, I, I would say seeing you, Dibesh, that would be uh, quite exciting. But uh, I will say instead, seeing David, because his panel on the future of blockchain will be absolutely fascinating. And he just referred to blockchain previously. Uh, and, and it could be revolutionary. We, we will see. Again, I really hope so. Part of my role over the years in uh, international trade was managing trade operations with people involved in checking mountains of paper to do with documentary credits and demand guarantees. The skills you will still need, of course, but the potential to actually eliminate mountains of that paper has got to be grasped. And it may not be next year, it may not be the year after, but this thing will progress. I think I read in the 2018 ICC Global Survey that uh, in international trade, there's something like 4 billion pieces of A4 paper generated each year. I don't actually know how many trees that is, but it's a lot. Quite a lot, yeah. And, and uh, the potential to actually make inroads in that and make the process slicker and smoother and less risky is just fantastic. But it's not just that. I mean, there's a number of other things that the uh, World Conference uh, for Banking Institutes, and yes, for Banking Institutes is the title, but of course, the vast majority of people that will be there will be banking practitioners, literally from right around the globe. And they will be most interested to hear what thought leaders have got to say about sustainability and anti-money laundering and cybersecurity and uh, uh, the challenges in trade. And we could have a whole new podcast on that one particular subject at the moment. But there is so much there to talk about over a two-day period. It's it's going to be an excellent two days. Really looking forward to it. Thanks. And the blockchain for trade finance piece is, is something particularly close to our hearts as well. And, and, and even we find it hard to keep track of all the different networks and consortia uh, and all the changes that are going on. And actually, we we, we announced some more news this morning about a, a recent update of, of, a, of a bank within one of the consortia. So, so very, very exciting and, and really excited to, to be there. And actually, for, for those of you that are thinking about coming to, that will be at Cybos on the 23rd of September, it, I'm sure you know, it makes sense to come to London a few days earlier to, to join in on the, on the WCBI. So guys, thank you very much for, for coming today and sharing some of your very interesting insights and also why education within the trade finance sector is so important. I'm actually going to end with one final question, and it's actually for, for some of our young younger listeners. Our podcast attracts many young people from all around the world, and those attempting to dip their toes into the world of trade finance and transaction banking. What advice would you give to any young person who is considering or entering the world of trade and trade finance today? Uh, David, I'll start with you. Right. Uh, what can I say? Very close to home. Uh, I've got a member of my own family that's actually uh, trying to take the plunge at this very moment. And uh, that's potentially with some of my influence, I guess. But it's, it's, it is just a fascinating subject. I've had a, a long and very happy career. I met some brilliant people, uh, hopefully played my part in uh, oiling the wheels of international trade. 
done a lot of foreign travel right the way around the globe, didn't quite manage South America, but quite a few other parts uh, that uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed. And uh, it's such an interesting subject, and I, I, you know, I come back to it again. You're talking about real business, real physical trading involving the movement of goods and manufacturing. And as Charles was touching on earlier, uh, the fact that someone at the end of that is getting a real benefit from what you're doing. And uh, it is a, a wonderfully interesting subject, say great people, challenging, dynamic. It's changing all the time. And uh, if what can I say, if uh, anyone listening is thinking about moving into this particular career of trade finance, give it a good look, give it some serious thought. Don't take my word for it. <laughs> do, do a bit of research on it. But like I say, I've had a very long and enjoyable career in this particular field. Yes, yeah, so I can only really repeat what, what David has said. I mean, it is a great opportunity and, and you are dealing with real people, real banking, the real economy, and you can make a real change in a very diverse and growing sector. Thank you very much, Bertha. I couldn't agree with you more. And, and at Trade Finance Global, we will continue to showcase some of the exciting careers within the trade finance sector and, and beyond, just to showcase how quickly it's changing and how some of those careers impact those real businesses and the real economy. So Charles, David, it's been an absolute pleasure having you here today on Trade Finance Talks. Thank you for joining us and we look forward to seeing you in a few weeks' time at WCBI. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Trade Finance Talks. Be sure to subscribe to our podcasts at tradefinanceglobal.com.